the next 12 weeks, we will go one by one by one through the minor prophets. Now, they're called minor not because their message is minor. It's because they are shorter than the books of Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel. I encourage you to read uh, the whole book of the prophet before you come to service next week. Uh, next week we're having uh, hopefully the new replanter at Olivet Baptist come and share with us what God is doing at our, one of our sister churches and he will be preaching for us. But the next week you'll be ready for Joel. So if you read Joel this week, you'll be ready for it. And this begins the Minor Prophets, the book of Hosea. If you have never read the book of Hosea, it is uh, very scandalous. And you might be even shocked by what you're about to hear. In the Garden of Eden, God established the covenant of marriage as a picture of this covenant relationship with his people. Genesis 2.24 is thus. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And God would later then declare that his people would be in covenant with himself when he took them out from slavery from the Egyptians. You will be my people and I will be your God. So marriage is actually much more than just a certificate. It's much more than the government saying you are married. Marriage is a picture of the relationship of God and the intimacy of God and his people. The term covenant is a partnership. It is an agreement in which two parties commit to one another. The responsibility and action between the parties. And marriage is a beautiful picture of the term covenant. As, it, as in this covenant there is what we would like to call faithfulness to one another. You see God creates man and woman in his image to reflect his steadfast love and faithfulness. And one of the ways that he does that is through the covenant of marriage. Thus, you love your spouse to reflect the character and nature of God himself. This is not only seen in marriage, but it's also seen in the church, God's church. As we at Northwest partner together or covenant together as the body of Christ, we remain faithful to one another by continuing to meet together, to spur one another on towards love and good deeds. So your worship, your prayer, your being in community, your devotion to the word of God, your love for one another in action is not necessarily all about your growth. 
but also for the growth of the members of the body. And we saw that pictured today with our students. And your faithfulness to Christ and the body of Christ affects those who you are in partnership with as the church. As it also reflects a covenant in marriage. But God pictures his relationship with his people Israel as a marriage through the prophet Hosea. In which his people Israel have been unfaithful. God's people are, his, are the bride, God's holy possession, who have joined themselves to another. They have committed adultery, going after other gods. Israel is the northern kingdom during this time whom Hosea is prophesying to. As they have set up images of Baal, have worshipped this idol, Baal. Baal was a storm god associated with clouds, thunder, lightning, and rain. And that he brought rain to produce, and what was thought was he would bring rain to produce crops. Thus he was also the god of fertility. And thus prostitution was often involved in the worship of Baal. So sexual activity was somehow connected to bringing rain for worshipers of this idol, Baal. And so God uses these graphic images of sexual immorality and adultery to show what the people have done. In their time of prosperity, they have forgotten their first love, no longer obeying God's laws or going to him with their needs. No, instead they sacrifice to idols. They stop trusting in their God and seek out foreign alliances with Egypt and ultimately Assyria who will destroy them. So Hosea, as he prophesied to this people, prophesied destruction and ruin coming coming for God's people who have committed adultery with foreign gods. So God not only calls Hosea to preach this message as the word of God, he calls him to be a living example of God and his people. So in Chapter 1, verse 2, I'll read it for you. God calls Hosea to marry a prostitute. Chapter 1, verse 2, when the Lord first spoke through Hosea, the Lord Lord said to Hosea, go take yourself a wife of whoredom and have children of whoredom, for the land commits great whoredom by forsaking the Lord. So he went and took Gomer the daughter of Diblam, and she conceived and bore him a son. They bear a son named Jezreel, which means God sows, and by him he says, I will put an end to the kingdom of the house of Israel. They have sown the seeds of adultery and idolatry, and it will come upon them in judgment. She has another child, and the name of the child is Lo-Ruhamah, No kids are named that, I'm guessing. 
because it means no mercy. That's a great t-ball team name, Lo Ruhama. It means no mercy, right? For God will have no more mercy upon Israel. And then he has one more child, or she has one more child, and the child's name is Lo-Ami, which means not my people. You are not my people, and I am not your God. Mm. Yet in God's nature and character, he does not give up on his people. And after this child, Hosea will have a wife who is Gomer, who goes and goes back to her life of prostitution and adultery. Just like Israel was rescued from Egypt and now goes back to worship other gods. And in chapter 11, God's heart is shown and he asks the question, how can I give you up? How can I hand you over? He knows the coming destruction of Israel, but they have rejected their God. They have broken the covenant and he is no longer their God as the last son is named, not my people. Judgment is coming, but through this God will not forget his people. He will come for them because of his steadfast love, his covenantal love. And this is the promise in the midst of idolatry that God gives to his people. Chapter 2, verse 19 of Hosea. If you'll stand with us, we'll read this together. Of chapter 2, verse 19, we stand in honor of reading God's word because this is what we need. This is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword, and it is the story of our life as we read this. Verse 19, and I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and steadfast love and in mercy I will betroth to you, to me, in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. And in that day I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens, and they shall answer the earth. And the earth shall answer the grain, the wine, and the oil. And they shall say, Jezreel. Remember, that means the Lord sows. And I will sow her for myself in the land. And I will have mercy on no mercy. And I will say to not my people, you are my people. And he shall say, you are my God. Amen. This is the word of the Lord this morning. You can have a seat. Father, we ask that as we share this scripture and tell the story of Hosea that we are reminded of the great love that you have for us. Your steadfast love which is more is greater than any sin that we have ever committed. Anything that we have gone after and run after. You still love us and want to be with us. Help us to reflect that love. Help us to be reminded of that love that we may live for your glory 
as you present us as the bride, the church of Christ, for your holy possession. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A little boy named Rick was born in 1972. He was born with cerebral palsy. And his muscles were not able to send signals to his brain. The doctors said he would be a vegetable. He could not walk or talk. His parents believed that he had intelligence as his eyes would follow them around the room. And his mother would even teach her little boy the alphabet. And at 11 years old, they hooked him up to a computer that he was able to communicate with his brainwaves. And he would communicate to his parents. When he was 15 years old, Rick's friend became paralyzed. And they had a 5K run and, and to benefit Frick, Rick's friend. And so Rick asked his dad to push him through the 5K. At this point, Rick's dad was 36 years old. He'd never run in his life. And after that event, Rick told his father, Dad, when I'm running... It feels like I'm not handicapped. And after that, Dick began devoting himself to running. He began competing in endurance events, competing in over 1,000 events, pushing his son across the finish line. 70 marathons, multiple triathlons, including six Ironman triathlons. If you don't know what an Ironman triathlon is, it is a 2.4 mile swim, a 112 mile bicycle ride, and a 26.2 mile run, a marathon run in consecutive order without a break. I'm going to show you this video of what extravagant love looks like. One of the most powerful videos I've ever scene this is one of the most powerful stories in the Bible because it speaks of an extravagant love an overwhelming love because love love actually hurts Love, love means something. The love, the love of God is so overwhelming to us that Jesus would come and die on a cross to give his life as the ultimate act of love. And sometimes in human beings, we get to see glimpses of God's covenantal, steadfast love on display. We saw it in this video, and we see it in the Bible through the prophet Hosea. Just to make sure we understand the story completely, Gomer Hosea's wife is unfaithful to him. And God tells Hosea in chapter 3, verse 1, Go again, Hosea. 
Let me read it to you. And the word of the Lord said to me, go again. Love a woman who is loved by another man and is adulterous, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods and love cakes of raisins. Go again, Hosea, because this is what the Lord will do to his people. Go again. She has lived in a result adultery and her life is a mess. Men have abused her and she has sold herself or she has been taken advantage of to now she is a slave in chapter 3. She is being brought into open shame by being sold in the market as a human being. And God tells Hosea, go again. And what he does in chapter 3 is he buys her back for 15 shekels, a homer, a litech, a barley. I don't even know what that is. I don't know if you do either. Commentators are a little, little, little unsure of what that is. It's interesting, though, because he's having to throw in a few extra food items to buy her back. Crops to buy her back. Scholars believe that it costs 30 shekels at this time to buy her. Meaning he doesn't have enough money to buy her back. So what does he do? He gives all that he has to buy her back. And this is what God will do for his people. He will buy them back. And how will he buy them? With his own precious blood. You see, Jesus gave everything he had to purchase you, the bride of Christ, Gomer. He emptied himself, made himself nothing so that you could come back and be in right relationship with him. Hosea's name means God has rescued. This is what God does with humanity. He does with his church. He does with Israel. He does with his people whom he has created. It is in God's covenantal love, his steadfast love that is on display in no greater place than it is upon the cross of Christ. But in verse 19, we have this picture. Let's look at it together. Chapter 2, verse 19. And I will betroth you to me forever. He's talking about Israel. I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice and in steadfast love and in mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. We've been talking about this 
for the last few weeks in the, in the prophets, but this is our first point this morning. God's steadfast love will bring about a new covenant. His steadfast love will bring about this new covenant in which we will know the Lord. God will make his, his, his people his bride forever. They will be in relationship that will not be broken. Why? Because God himself will, will come to fulfill the covenant, to place his spirit within us so that we know the Lord. And he will renew his covenant by his own character, his righteousness, his justice, his steadfast love and his mercy. All of that meets at the cross, the new covenant poured out for you, his church, the bride of Christ. Through God's actions of faithfulness, God people will know this God. As, as one commentator put it, God pays the coin of grace to obtain the bride he loves. And Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 says this, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Does that come to life for you now that you know Hosea? Is that that breathing new life into you now that you know how Christ has bought you? And now he wants to cleanse you and pick you up off the ground and make you holy to present to himself this bride. And he does it. We don't do it. Christ's transforming work in his own church to present her as holy. He cleanses her. He changes her. Not she cleanses herself up and then presents herself to God. No. She comes to the Lord broken, ashamed, not worthy. This is the gospel. You don't go to God once you've been cleansed. You don't go to him in the midst of your filth. No, you go to him and he cleanses you by by his own power and his, his extravagant love. Jesus encountered Gomer, not the actual Gomer, but a Gomer in John chapter eight. And the same story happens. A woman who's caught in the act of adultery, she's guilty of death by the law and they want to stone her. The, the Pharisees, the people of the law say, no, she's not, she's not worthy to live. She's caught in the act of adultery. And Jesus says, whoever sinned, cast the first stone. And as soon as everyone leaves, she's left just with Jesus. And he's able to condemn her. He's never sinned. He says to her, do, I, I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. Brothers and sisters in Christ, Now she has been forgiven. She has the power to live in righteousness. That is the gospel. Now that you have been forgiven, now you have the power of Christ, the gospel empowering you to now live it out for Christ. The idea is God is above all. When we place him on the bottom shelf, we we place all these idols above him. Where do you turn when you're stressed? 
Do you turn to alcohol? Do you turn to shopping? Do you turn to food? Do you turn to your work? You see, we set up all these areas of our life. We pour everything we have into them. And where do we go? That's where your idols are. God of money, God of sex, God of work. All of these things are to remind us of God's love for us. I got to read for you before we move on. Jeremiah 31, 31. We preached on this two or three weeks ago, but here it is in Hosea again, emphasizing the same message. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah, not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the lands of Egypt. My covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, well, I for, I f- will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. This is what verse 20 says, I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. Praise God that he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross so that we would be given the Holy Spirit to live inside of us that we will know the Lord. Verse 21, in that day I will answer, declares the Lord. I will answer the heavens and they shall answer the earth and the earth shall answer the grain and the wine and the oil and they shall answer Jezreel and I will sow her for myself in the land and I will have mercy on no mercy and I will say to not my people, you are my people and he shall say, you are my God You see, God will answer when God's people pray. He uses that term five times in this section. The word answer. To answer means that there must be a call. And the call is a call for help. It is a call of prayer for God's people. God wants you, who is Gomer, to call out to him for help. Whatever you're in right now, whatever, whatever mode that you're in, whatever idolatry that has suffocated you and left you, left you looking for hope, God wants to open a door of hope to you. Look at verse 14. Therefore, behold, I will allure her, bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her. And there I will give to her her vineyards, make the valley of Achor a door of hope. And there she shall answer as in the days of her youth, as at the time when she came out of the land of Egypt. The God wants to speak to you this morning and give you a door of hope. He wants you to call out to him. The name Jezreel meant calamity on Israel. But now it implies salvation and prosperity. Jezreel means God sows. 
Uh, Hosea had mentioned in chapter 1, Jezreel, and it meant bloodshed. It meant this valley of Jezreel, the valley of Megiddo, where Armageddon will take place. You understand this valley in which they come against the Lord. The people are against the Lord. He will sow his judgment upon them. We are enemies of God, adulterers, sinners who are outside the relationship with him. But now because the Lord has taken his people back, he takes the same name and uses it, meaning to teach that God will provide for his people. The hidden meaning is now revealed, Jezreel. Thus, it will not need to be changed. You see, to live with the Lord is to live in his blessing. No longer do you fight the Lord. Rather, you are in covenant relationship with the God of the universe by his love. The last line, I will sow her to myself in the land. He will literally plant a people for himself, for his glory. God wants us to pray and he wants to answer us. Why? For his glory. Second Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. But he doesn't want us to call out to something or someone else. Verse, at the end here, verse 23, this is the crux of the statement. And I will have mercy on no mercy, and I will say to not my people, you are my people. This is what God will do, is restore the relationship that has been broken. God will restore the relationship that has been broken broken the children are renamed and God himself will do it and you the church are recipients of that love just as Hosea is a picture of God's love now God wants his people to be his love to those who are broken and ashamed and lost. This is why we send you out, seniors, because you have experienced the love of Christ and now you get to be sent to tell others about the experience of love of the gospel. To be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. You see, everyone has a Gomer in their life. Everybody in this room has had times when they have been burned. And it hurts. And it hurts to try to love again. Maybe your spouse has loved another Maybe a child has neglected you as a parent. Maybe you as a minority have suffered oppression. Maybe a friend has turned their back on you. 
You have suffered. Even a church member has wronged you. Yet we see the heart of God in this story. Go again, church. Go again, people of God. Because it is the character and nature of God himself for you. Go again. Forgive the gomer. Love, not because it doesn't hurt, but because our God loved you. It's a scandal of grace that our God would extravagantly love us like that. Today is an opportunity to call out to him. We're going to spend some time in prayer, and I hope you pray with us as we worship together. Now is the time to respond to God's love in a meaningful way. The way that you respond is calling out to the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, I need your salvation. Because he wants to grant it to you. He died on the cross for you, for your sin. You must call out to him, saying, I need the Lord. Let us pray, church. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this extravagant message of your love and your faithfulness. We thank you for the pictures we saw, not only of Hosea this morning, Father, of Dick Hoyt and his love for his son, and Father, a father's love for his son, a husband's love for his, his wife. We see the love that you have for us. We see now how you created us. And Father, we want to worship you alone. Father, there are people in this room this morning who have strayed from, from you, who are living their life for other things. We pray that they would repent, that they would fall on their knees in the front of this church this morning and say, I need the Lord. Father, you say if we call upon you, you will answer us. May we place our faith and trust fully in our God and nothing else. Father, we know that there are people who are lost in this room who are going straight to hell. And we ask, Father, that you would save them according to your spirit, that you would lift them up from their seat today, have them come down to the front and call out to their God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you'll stand.